Where do you find your strength? We've all endured moments of weakness, maybe the loss of a loved one, a battle with addiction, a devastating diagnosis, or maybe a breakup that left your heart in pieces. I know it's really too easy for every one of us to think of our weakest moments. We've all had them, and the truth is that we're probably going to have those tough times again. So in this episode, we're going to talk about where we find our strength and how getting outside can help. I'm Kristen Keogh, and you are here with her. Welcome to episode one. I'm starting this podcast to empower you to get outside, explore more, get over your fears, and knock down obstacles that may be keeping you from going on epic adventures. Most importantly, I'm going to help you break free from the mundane. We all have careers that we tend to put first, and sometimes it can get a little monotonous. So we're going to break free from the mundane. I'm going to tell you how I make time for adventure. I have a pretty busy schedule. I am a host at the Social Television Network. I'm a sports anchor at the NBC affiliate in Phoenix. I'm the in-arena host for the Arizona Coyotes NHL team and a social media influencer. So my schedule is packed, but my priority has become making time to go on adventures because I have found that it's really how I find faith in myself. It's how I basically find happiness, to put it really simply. And it's really where I found my strength during the weakest times of my life. So in this first episode, I really want to give you some background on how I fell in love with the outdoors and particularly hiking. So as I mentioned, outside is where I found my strength in a difficult season, and it really showed me exactly what I'm made of. So let's go back to 2013. I was a news anchor in Phoenix, and I was about to get engaged to my boyfriend, who was a Major League Baseball player. Life was really everything that I wanted it to be, and it was actually all incredibly superficial. The things that I prioritized then, I'm kind of ashamed of now, um, just because it was, you know, centered around titles and status and material things. So at the time, I thought I had everything I could possibly want. I've learned a lot about myself since then, though. So in May of 2013, I suddenly had horrible bladder pain. So any women who are listening, you know this type of pain. I thought it was a urinary tract infection. So after multiple tests and rounds of antibiotics, doctors concluded they actually had no idea what was wrong with me. So I went to multiple, multiple doctors and some world-renowned facilities, and no one could make this pain stop. And it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there was no end in sight. It was terrifying. So my life became a cycle of surgeries, I think I had like 13 in two years, um, going to doctor's appointments constantly, trying to get different opinions, um, all sorts of medications, opiates, um, a, a lot of painkillers. And I was getting in medical debt. I was struggling to hold on to my career. I was crying constantly. I had suicidal thoughts because I just, 
I wanted the pain to stop and there was no end. Um, so to put it simply, I was, I was broken in every way possible, physically, mentally, it was awful. So doctors would say the words interstitial cystitis as a possible option that maybe that's what was wrong with me. But then they would just come back and say, well, your, your problem seems to be more in your urethra and we don't know how to fix that. Um, we know how to fix the bladder, but it, we don't know what to do for this pain that you have specifically. Um, meanwhile, you know, I have a boss who says you look fine. At this time, I have a fiance who's telling me that it's all in my head. Doctors start to prescribe me Xanax and different things for my mental state and basically accusing me that this is all in my head. But I knew it was real. There was no denying this pain. And I did start to get emotionally somewhat unstable, I guess you could say, because I have these doctors and these people who don't believe me. I have this pain that is constant. So I did start to feel kind of irrational. I was on edge all the time. Um, This pain felt like a hot metal skewer dipped in acid being stabbed into my body. So I was on edge and I, I mean, I cried constantly. It was just, it was a mess and I was missing a ton of work. Um, I had the opioids constantly flowing through my body at inconsistent intervals and there's just really no telling like what was happening in my head at this point. I was in a fog. I was just getting through life every single day. And then somehow I just got sick of being sick. I just decided if no one can fix me, I'm going to have to fix myself. And it became really apparent that I was going to feel awful whether I sat around and felt sorry for myself or whether I did the one thing that I actually really missed doing and wanted to give a shot at doing again, and that was to go hiking. So anyone who's been in chronic pain, you kind of know that it pushes the things that make you happy to the to the end of the priority list, right? Because you're really just trying to get through your day. And so those things that bring us joy, they kind of get forgotten when you're in survival mode. So I was just kind of faking a smile, doing what I could to just make it through the day, hold on to my career, hold on to my boyfriend, fiance. So I had to force myself to return to normalcy. And right before I got sick, I actually had gotten a brand new pair of hiking boots. And I never even got to wear them because once all the pain set in, that just wasn't going to happen. So what I did was I took the hiking boots out and I put them in my living room. And I put them somewhere where I could see them every single day. And... I use them as motivation to kind of fix myself mentally to a point where I could say, okay, this is probably not going to feel great to get outside, but you're going to go do it. So at this point, pain is like my identity. You know, we're we're a couple years into me having this pain. So it, now I just identify myself as this person who is sick and it changed my identity. I didn't even know if I was capable of going on a hike. So finally, one day I put the boots on. I went for a little hike in the Phoenix Mountain Preserve, just, you know, maybe half a mile. And my body didn't feel better, but my mind did. Feeling the sun on my skin, hearing the birds chirp, just being in fresh air finally. It just, it changed me. So there's one specific trail, the Mojave Trail in the Phoenix Mountains Preserve, that I would just spend so much time on. It's like it became my medicine. Getting out there truly gave me my will to live.
I finally felt like myself again. Now, during this time, I ended up getting engaged and ultimately I canceled my wedding. I left my job as a news anchor because of a gigantic gender pay gap between me and my male co-anchor. So 2015 was the hardest year of my life. You know, I coped with canceling the wedding, uh, my body hurting, and these massive career changes. So, you know, I was the sick girl. That was my identity. And then I started to feel even more confused about my identity because of the loss of my relationship and the loss of or the transition in my job. So I was I was really depressed. And I finally realized that not only did I have to fight for my body to get healthier, but I was going to have to really fight for my future and to get my life back on track. So getting outside is really what fueled that. It was like the one thing that made me feel like all, like all of the work was worth it. So... I stopped going to these like online forums about interstitial cystitis that I had been going to all the time because it was really depressing. Like there are people who it's all they talk about. And I just felt like that's not what I want to talk about anymore. I want to talk about the things that excite me and I want to get my life together. So I started doing my own research and I found new alternative treatments and open-minded doctors. And it took me years to be consistently out of pain. But I'm really happy to tell you that now... I really don't think about my IC. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there apparently, but I found ways to manage it and it does not control my life at all anymore. And I'm able to do these amazing hikes and do these incredible things with my body and work out. And I really don't think about my IC very much. So I really had to fight for myself through all of this, fight for my body, fight for the answers and solutions. And I really think that if it wasn't for the freedom I felt on those hikes, I wouldn't have found it in me to fight for my future. So the Phoenix Mountain Preserves, where all this happened, um, you know, it's like a sacred ground for me and really for anyone in Arizona. We're so lucky. It's such a blessing to be able to have this magical preserve in the middle of our city i mean it's literally right off a freeway but you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere you can go hiking you can you know take your bike out there people go horseback riding it's awesome so if you've never tried it i do encourage you to check out the mojave trail it is the most perfect hike for anyone who's getting back into hiking or who's just looking to start at all. And especially those of you who are working, you know, you maybe go downtown or you work in central Phoenix. This is a great hike that you can just go do right after work. It's right off the 51 and Glendale. So you can just head over to the preserve and make a little bit of time for a hike and it's going to change your day. And it gives you something to look forward to at the end of the day too. And I'm promising you that you're going to catch some amazing sunsets. So the whole hike is about 1.7 miles out and back. The elevation gain is just over 500 feet. So even beginners can handle that. It has really amazing viewpoints of downtown, and the trail is just a lot of fun. Um, it's also a good option for kids and pets, too. So I take my dog Ace there all the time. He loves it. There's a bunch of switchbacks, so you do get a, a good workout in this, too. So, you know, just take it slow if it's too much for you. There are some stopping points, too. So if you don't want to go the full 1.7 miles, if you can't do it physically yet, or you just don't have the time, just do a little bit of it and stop at one of the viewpoints and soak in the sights and then call it a day because a lot of 
what I want you guys to know about hiking is that, yes, it's great for you physically. It gives you super strong legs and really good endurance, but it's really about what it does for you mentally. So when you're on this hike, if you don't stop at the viewpoints along the way, um, you there's one main viewpoint up at the top that gives you an incredible view of downtown when you're facing south. Um, and you can just stop there, as I mentioned. But if you do go downhill, you're going to get a good workout coming back up because it is an out and back trail. And it goes downhill right after that main viewpoint. But if you're new and you maybe can't handle it, just remember you're going to have to go back up as well. So, you know, if you're new, maybe you can handle it. Maybe you can't. I do encourage you to push yourself. I just want you to know. So once I got my health back in order, I moved on from Mojave regularly. Um, I still do it sometimes. But I became a regular of Piestua Peak. So this is a trail that I now hike constantly now that I am consistently out of pain. So Piestua is really difficult. It's only about 1.2 miles out and back, but it has a 1,200 foot elevation gain. And I call it an outdoor Stairmaster. It's a lot of steps and you're going to be out of breath and you may need to take some breaks. But if you've never done it, I really encourage you to do this. And for those of you who want to get a workout after work, this is a really good um, way to get in a really nice workout, burn a lot of calories and uh, feel the burn as well on your way home from work. In another episode, we will talk about night hiking as well. This is an area where you can night hike. So um even during the summer, this is a good option if you can make it over there in the evening and use your headlamp. So I started this episode talking about strength and strength and this particular hike, Piestua Peak, they go hand in hand. So I want to talk about the name behind Piestua Peak. It is named for Lorianne Piestua. So let's back up a little. When I was growing up in Arizona, this was called Squaw Peak, this mountain. And it turns out that's actually an incredibly offensive term to American Indian women. And settlers, they named it that, you know, early in the 1900s. And then later on, people realized how offensive the term squaw is. So people tried to change it for a while at the end of, you know, the the 1900s and the 90s, but they had no luck. So then in March of 2003, Private First Class Lorianne Pastua, a 23-year-old Hopi woman from here in Arizona, from Tuba City, her and her company were ambushed in the Iraq War. She was taken prisoner, and she ended up dying of her wounds. So what happened was she was driving a Humvee, and they were struck by a rocket-propelled grenade. Now, this ambush became really famous because... Um, the prisoner of war situation, Jessica Lynch, you probably know that name. Um, Jessica Lynch and Lori Ann Piestua were actually very close. And so Lori survived the attack in the vehicle. But then once she was suffering from those wounds, um, Jessica Lynch explained that there was just no way for her to get the help she needed to survive in that situation. So if you want to learn more about what happened, um, Jessica Lynch actually wrote a book called I'm a Soldier Too, and um, it talks a lot about what happened and her relationship with Lori Pastua. But Lori became the first woman to die in the front lines in this war and the first American Indian woman to die while serving in the armed forces. 
So Arizona's governor at the time, Janet Napolitano, she put in a request for the name change from Squaw Peak to Piestua Peak, and it became official on April 17th of 2003. Now, normally there's this like five-year process when you want to change the name of something like this, but given the circumstances, it actually was able to be done very, very quickly because Lori died in March, and then by April, they'd already made that name change. I also want to note that um, Lori Paestua was promoted to specialist following her death, and, and she was honored, and each year, she is honored again in a ceremony at Paestua Peak, and it actually has been expanded to honor other fallen soldiers as well. So what a transition to have this name that was offensive and then now it it has such a a deep meaning and it it gets to honor this woman who sacrificed it all for our country and you know I don't want to sound crazy when I say this but I think that hiking that particular mountain is a spiritual experience and it's something that when I am on that mountain I can go there on my best days or my worst days and I just feel stronger on that mountain. And again, I don't want to sound crazy, but I'm telling you, there's something about the namesake, Paestua. There's just something about her and her spirit that I just feel and I believe gives me strength. And it's really shocking to me that so many people in Arizona do not know why it's called Paestua Peak. So if you didn't know, now you know. Um, it's a really beautiful way to honor a fallen soldier and they've also uh, renamed the 51 in that area um, right along the uh, roadway there of Piestua Peak you can see it from the mountain they've renamed that um, the Piestua Freeway as well so good stuff Um, if you didn't know I'm glad that you know now and hopefully you think of her when you hike there So that is hands down what I hike consistently is Piestua Peak. That's the one that I hike the absolute most because it is such a convenient location. And I really do just enjoy the way I feel on that mountain. But to be honest, I really only started getting adventurous beyond just hiking about a year ago. And it's been really shocking to me how many people say they want to do these types of things, even just a hike or one of the camping adventures that I go on. They say, I wish I could do that, but then they list off these excuses of why they can't. They say they don't have time because of their job. Um, a lot of women tell me, oh, I, I don't have a boyfriend. I can't go do that because I don't have a boyfriend. Well, I mean, I do this stuff without a man uh, about 97% of the time. So let's talk about... Um, those excuses a little bit, you know, you have to choose what you make time for, right? And if this is something that you really want to do and you want more of a sense of adventure in your life and you want to break free from the mundane and you want to feel like you have some sort of adventure to look forward to when you're sitting at your desk, you know, everybody has like some sort of pretty screensaver, on their desktop, right? Well, do you want to just look at those things or do you want to go experience them? So you have to make it a priority and you also have to get over your fears. You have to say, okay, 
if you're a woman who doesn't want to go without a man, that is a very realistic concern. So what can you do to get over those fears? Can you find a group of girlfriends to go with? Um, can you take some classes um, on safety? Can you get a GPS tracker and come up with a system of notifying people where you're going, when you're going? What are the steps you can take to feel more safe and break down those fears? These are some things that I've had to work on in order to get more adventurous, especially coming off of a situation where, you know, I was sick and doctors made me feel like my body wasn't capable. I did have a lot of concerns about, oh my gosh, what if I go on an adventure and I physically can't handle it? And maybe that's one of your concerns. What kind of strength training can you do? What kind of hikes can you start doing so that you feel more confident in your body? And just starting to break down those barriers because that's what I really want this podcast to be about is breaking down the barriers and setting you free from the mundane. We're going to get there together. So since I started becoming pretty adventurous, um, I've hiked Havasupai. I've become a backpacker, which seems crazy to me to think about because um, I really lack athletic ability and I didn't know if I could physically handle something like that. I so have a soup by I've hiked Angels Landing in Zion. I've done Stairway to Heaven in Hawaii. Um, I just applied for my permit to hike Half Dome in Yosemite. So all of this stuff is so exciting to me. I never knew that I had it in me to do these things. It's really the life that I never knew I always dreamed of, if that makes sense, because it is what makes me so happy. And I didn't expect it to. But also the camping aspect of it, you know, I used to be the type of person who wanted to uh, go on vacation and stay in a Westin <laughs> or some other nice hotel. And now I find that I'm very, very happy uh, with a anti-gravity chair and a campfire sitting in a bunch of dirt. So it's kind of amazing what starts to happen when you get outside. But at the end of the day, it is what keeps me going, whether... I feel like I don't want to go to one of my workout classes. I remind myself, you need your body to be strong so that you can go see these beautiful places and have these amazing adventures that you want to go on. It keeps me on track professionally when I feel like procrastinating. It helps me meet my goals on time at work so that I can have the time to go have an adventure and financially as well. It's a really great way to keep yourself hitting your income goals because you want to be able to afford to take time off and you want to be able to afford to go get, you know, this new tent or these new hiking shoes. It's all of these different things that help me stay on track with one goal of leading an adventurous life and being able to say, that I didn't just talk about going to have beautiful, amazing experiences. I actually went and did them. So I hope that together through this podcast, we can help break down all of your barriers and get you informed about some really cool adventures that we can go on. We're going to talk about stuff that I have done myself, and we're also going to learn about new adventures that we can go on and new things. Um, some of the things I have lined up for you are camping in vans, um, canyoneering, exploring the superstition wilderness, um, what to do if you don't want to invest in a bunch of gear and some options for renting, backpacking, and camping gear. 
So we're just getting started and I'm really excited to have you here with me. So thank you for being here with her. I want to thank my producer, Jeremy Isaac, for putting this show together and the social television network where we record. So make sure you hit subscribe, leave a comment if you would like, and we will see you next time.